Welcome to the Unlucky Genius, the podcast on which we talk about race, gender, media politics, and masturbation. My name is Emma Spees. And I'm Justin Gudger. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our very first episode. Um, of the unlucky genius. Are you excited, Justin? I am very excited. I am so excited. We've been talking about this for a while and here we are actually finally doing it. So let's introduce ourselves first for anybody listening who has no idea who we are. I think that would be smart. Don't you agree? The people want to know who we are. Yeah, we're mysterious, dark podcast internet figures. You are somehow listening to this. I assume that you want to know who we are. Yes. So, We're very uh, people. So who are you? Uh, well, my name is Emma. I, um, I live in Hollywood in Los Angeles, California. I'm a grad student at UCLA going into my third year of the English literature PhD program out here. Um, I am 29 years old. I'm a Libra and I enjoy long walks on the beach. I actually do enjoy all of that is true, but <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, so that's me. Um, who are you, Justin? Uh, I am Justin, Justin Gudger. Um, I currently live in Jackson, Mississippi, represent Jacktown. However, uh, more of a nomadic musician. So I'm between here and Dallas. Uh, and you never know where he'll be tomorrow. I never know where I will be tomorrow. It's kind of scary. Might be in your backyard. It's kind of scary, but I also uh, quite enjoy living on the wild side. I'm 22 years old. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, I'm okay. I'm 24, but I'm, you just made me doubt my own age when you said that. <laughs> But the reason I said I was 22 because I was thinking about uh, how we how we sort of met. Ah, uh, fuck. <laughs> origin yeah. story. Yeah, I guess we got to I guess we got to tell the origin story. <laughs> um, so Justin and I went to college together um, in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, I've I've been in LA for about two years, but before that, I was in Jackson for seven seven years. It didn't take me seven years to go to college. I just happened to be there for seven years. But we met, must have been in 2012 or thereabouts, wouldn't you say? Yeah, around 2012, maybe late 2012. Um, Going to some parties and whatnot. Well, I was going to the parties. You were living at the party. Yeah. Living at the party. Living at the party. No, I was hosting (laughs) parties. And in a mid mid uh, mid spring, I would say of 2013, Justin and I became particularly good friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This can this this story could get very giggly and weird, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cut right to the chase and say that we um, drank a bunch of tequila and we were playing um, Captain Dickhead, which Justin I think just played the other night. I haven't played it in two years. Well, that was it. Was my first time. I'm an adult. It's mm-hmm. my first time playing Captain Dickhead since that. I was reflecting on the fact that I don't even remember how to play. <laughs> Did I win when we played? 
I would say you won. I won. Okay. <laughs> Let's say you won too, though. Yeah, we both won, and yeah, you know, there Justin were... and I got really got really hammered, and and we had sex one night. Yes. And it was in um, my roommate's bed. She wasn't in it. Although I was so drunk that she could have been in it, and I just wouldn't have noticed. Mm. <laughs> hey, Rose, if you're listening. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> well, I wonder how Rose is going to feel when she hears that. She did give me those sheets, though. Did I ever tell you that? Anyway, um, that's how Justin and I became friends. And we've been living in my way for a couple years now, but uh, still very, very good, close friends. And um, decided to, to embark on this podcast adventure. Uh, but before we say anything more about the podcast... Um, Justin, why don't you tell the listeners what you're doing with your life right now? Because I think it's pretty interesting. Besides, besides being nomadic, you're a nomadic musician. Uh, well, besides uh, being nomadic and uh, doing a ton of drugs, I have been um, working on an album. It's sort of a hip hop poppy sort of album, which is, uh, I think. That's hard to reconcile when you think of the two separately, but uh, that's what I've been doing. I recently finished sort of the first draft of the album, and it's going to be released early 2016 after I'm done polishing it up a little bit. But yeah, that's that's going to be good stuff. Uh, make music. And if listeners wanted to find some of your music, where would they find it? If listeners wanted to find some of my music, they would go to their Spotify or their iTunes or their Bandcamp. I'm across all the platforms. SoundCloud. SoundCloud for sure. And they would look for Chester Percival Bone. Um, we'll put that in the podcast description if anybody's interested. <laughs> yes. The and, sessions. and you should all be interested because uh, my music is amazing. It is amazing. I, and I'm not just saying that because here we are hosting this podcast together. Um, it's, it's really great. And there's a song about masturbation, too, which is like one of my favorite songs. And that is why it's okay for us to talk about my music on the podcast. Because as we said before... Masturbation is going to be yeah. a recurring topic on this podcast. And why wouldn't it be? I don't even know. I'm masturbating right now. <laughs> Me too. That's weird because I can't tell that you're doing it and you can't tell that I'm doing it. We're really good masturbators, I guess. Yeah. We're wow. really, really bad. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> yeah. So check out Justin's music and um, the podcast, man. We decided to start this podcast like... A lot of people do. Of course, ours is going to be the best yes. and is going to eventually make us millions of dollars and very famous. But um, you and I uh, talk a lot from a distance. We Skype a lot. And it seems like we always end up talking about these really interesting things, um, not just about our lives and not just about our masturbatory habits, although that's definitely a part of it. But, you know, social justice issues and current events and politics and and books and music and films and um, how all of those things relate to these really intersectional 
issues, um, you know, of, of wealth and gender and race. And I've learned a lot talking to you about this stuff. And um, so I guess it seems like a natural move to allow everyone else, those lucky ones who will hear about this podcast <laughs> into our conversations. That's right. I like having the conversations and I like coming off as a smart guy and having fun. So that's why I'm here doing this here podcast. Of course, it's always a pleasure to uh, have any sort of contact with MSPs. Nobody says that. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's the purpose in this podcast. And we, we hope that if you listen to it, um, anybody out there and you like it, you'll let us know. And if you, want us to address anything in particular you'll let us know we're we're open to suggestions because this is a, an entirely new venture and we want it to be something that people want to actually hear yeah and we're going to be talking a lot so we're going to need things to talk about no everything i say will be an auto tune no <laughs> you're not going to do that We'll see. So um, you were telling me about this experience that you had uh, to jump right into things here. Yeah, um, let's do it. You're telling me about this experience that you had on the street. Yeah, I had an experience on the street. Those and then harsh streets of LA. Yeah, the, the harsh, dirty streets of Hollywood. It quickly became an experience on the harsh, dirty streets of Facebook. Please believe me, listeners, if you don't know this about me already, that I avoid these kind of stupid social media bullshit arguments where, you know, there's like 75, like, I don't know, is it, it's called threads? Is that what it's called? Is that what the kids call it? Yeah, I guess, I guess we call Facebook comments like threads once you start commenting on comments. Yeah, I guess I live back in the day of, like, message boards from, like, 1998, you know, whatever. Um, and it, it happens, it's actually happened to me a lot since I've moved to Hollywood. I lived in, in West L.A. over by the UCLA campus for uh, two years, and and that never really happened there. And then I just moved here to Hollywood recently, and it's happened a lot. I do know that this is really common for women who live in large um, cities. But I was walking down the street and this man who was passing me coming from the other other direction, um, as I walked past him, he looked at me very intently in the face and said, hi. As though we had met at some point, we knew each other. There was some reason that I should greet him. And I didn't. I ignored him and I kept walking because I didn't know him. And I heard him say, bitch, I heard him say that. Uh, and I just, I just kept walking. Um, I can be, I can be pretty confrontational with people, but you know, on the street, strange dude, you know, yeah, it's weird. I, I just, I just opted to keep, to keep moving. Uh, so that happened. And the whole, the whole high thing, the whole strange men saying hi to me thing Uh, that's happened a lot in Hollywood. It happens. I walk a lot in this neighborhood. If I'm in Hollywood at all, I'm, I'm walking. I, I rarely drive my car. So it happens. It happens a lot. I know that it happens to other women who live in this area. Anyway, 
it really made me mad that I didn't say hi to this stranger and he called me a bitch. So I posted about it on, uh, do what? You didn't take it as a compliment that, you know, he acknowledged your, your existence and seemed attracted Uh, to you in some way. It was not a compliment. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I posted about this on Facebook, just about how women are not obligated to say hi to strange men. Um, maybe we don't want to say hi to you. I don't even remember what the post said. It was forcefully worded, but I feel like my point my point came across. And of course, some dick bag. I, I don't know how he would be listening to this, but I kind of hope that he is. Uh, I'm not going to say any names. Um, but uh, he, of course, got all got all uh, got all offended. Let's call him Bill. All right. So Bill got really offended bill see the thing is i think that he's like 23 and Uh there's no 23 year old people named bill (laughs) god i want to say his name i'm not gonna do it let's call him what's like the douchiest name you can think of for a man i don't know i probably have lots of friends with douchey names so i don't want to step on any toes here um let's just call him joe average joe yeah I do have a couple of friends named Joe, so sorry, guys. I'm obviously not talking about you. So Joe gets super mad, though, that I dared to to post something about how it's really irritating and um, inappropriate, frankly, that men will randomly say hi to women on the street that they don't know. And this guy, I'm sorry, Joe... Seem to think, like you just intimated, Justin, that this should always be a compliment, that they're acknowledging something nice about us, that they think that we're cute, or they want to fuck us, or whatever other thing men uh, tend to think is a, a complimentary thing, you know? That, that's just not complimentary? No. No. They're not complimentary. No, and, and his confusion seemed to stem from the fact that he, I think like a lot of people, conflate what can be defined as street harassment, which is what I was calling this when I was talking about it on Facebook, and what what they consider to be normative, flirtatious social behavior. So Joe seemed to be confusing Saying hi to women on the street, staring at their breasts, staring at their ass, making them feel just kind of strange and kind of creeped out. Mm. Uh, He seemed to be conflating that with when a man comes up to a woman at a bar and says, hi, how are you? Can I buy you a drink? Ah, now those are definitely two different situations. So you you agree with me about that then? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because one situation, you're outside in a place where there are lots of people going to places that are not like right there. And in, in a bar, you're inside in a place where people came to like get drunk or maybe listen to some music and maybe meet some people. So Mm -hmm. you might want to talk to a stranger in a bar, but probably not on the street. No, no, especially. Yeah. I mean, I have a great resting bitch face too. You know, and I wear sunglasses, and and usually I I have headphones in. I didn't on this particular day, which was why I was able to hear this man call me a bitch, um, because I wasn't listening to music. But 
And of course, you know, you're right in a bar or a cafe or whatever, you might be more likely to want to talk to a stranger. But at the same time, you know, women should be able to feel just as comfortable in bars, like not talking to men who talk to them. Well, of course. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So just have to like put that out there as a caveat. But, you know, anyway, this this guy on Facebook, he became increasingly confrontational with me and finally said no one of either gender has the right to be a dick. And he was talking about me and the guy who called me a bitch. But what really, like, you know, fucking ground your gears. Thank you. I was gonna, I was gonna say something else, but yeah, what that's a that's a much more appropriate way to put it was the fact that he would call me a dick for choosing not to respond to a stranger talking to me on the street. I'm sorry, complimenting me on the street because I should be complimented, right, by this like like scuzzy guy yeah like staring hard into my fucking eyes and saying hi like i couldn't even tell what the fuck he wanted from me yeah it's um, definitely pretty creepy if you're staring into your eyes you don't know someone like you don't want that well you know what's funny is that actually i i um i spent most of july in london um working and my friend samantha who was there with me she and i went around we you know, we were working together and we would go out together and, and walk around the city and stuff. And we both noticed this happen in London a lot. Men on the street, they wouldn't say hi to you, but they would stare at you. They would walk past you and stare intently into your eyes, like maintain eye contact with you as you walked past each other in a very strange way that I had never really experienced anywhere else before. And we started calling it eye fucking. That's so weird. Yeah, it was really weird. And there were some, I think it happened to me more than Sam, not because I'm perhaps more desirable than Sam, but Sam is, is like six feet tall. And so I think a lot of men, like they can't actually make eye contact with Sam because she's so tall um, and I'm an easy target because I'm like five foot nothing. And I think that's why it happened. But we, I know that it, it did happen to her, I think. And we talked about it and it, and, and it was just something they would never say anything, but it happened a lot and it was really weird. But anyway, what made this experience like really strange for me was not even the street harassment itself, but the reaction that I got from like this one particular person. Yeah. You know, and he's, he seemed to take it very personally that a woman would choose not to talk to a man. He seemed to be very deeply offended by that in a very personal way. And of course, during this whole Facebook fight, which is what it became, I, uh, I, I remembered that he had posted a lot of, uh, not a lot, he's several, several posts about being uh, rejected and being kind of bitter about that and like mm. tricky and they're liars and if they have short hair and they're not lesbians they're just trying to trick you into thinking they're lesbians he really <laughs> did something like that once oh the my god thing i've ever heard in my life but well, what was your what was your description of it justin because I, I i had never heard it before actually you said that he was like he was butthurt oh oh yeah butthurt that's that's it's a pretty common internet term. Yeah. I'm out of the loop. <laughs> Clearly. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting that he said um, no one of either gender. He said no one of either gender 
has the right to be a dick because I think that we all have the right to be dicks. That is a great point. Thank you. We all have that right. And, you know, in this case, uh, he's implying that you are being a dick, but I don't I don't think you're being a dick to not talk to someone who's eye-fucking you in the street. Now, he also said cold. He used that, that good old word cold. Cold. That men love to use when women... Can't a girl just, like, not want to fuck you? <laughs> no, because that means you're cold. You're a cold dick. Or you're a lesbian. Or a lesbian. I don't know why, like, why someone would want to be fucked by a cold dick. <laughs> You've never experienced a cold dick? No, no, I haven't. Except for the one time that I went to Chicago during the winter and I did not pack enough warm clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot my long johns. Yeah. Um, clearly in the situation, the dicks were the guy on the street who called you a bitch for not saying hi. And you, Joe, you're a dick. Yeah. And then you got your ass blocked, bitch. Joe. Joe. God, I want to say his name. Maybe I'll put it in the podcast description. <laughs> With a link to his Facebook profile. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But I think uh, it, this whole thing brings up, like, the question of how harassment is defined, depending on kind of where you stand on the the privilege spectrum, which is like a, a huge, like, very diverse spectrum. Your privilege, it's going to dictate how you define what harassment is. And uh, this guy, Joe, you fucking bitch, Joe. clearly defines harassment in a way that most women don't define it. Hi is harassment. It can be harassment. And you can't tell us that we can't feel harassed by, by somebody saying hi to us in a very suggestive way. When I think about that, I think about the, the, the video that was made, I, I believe it was last year, the woman who, um, who had a camera on her as she walked through New York City and you know was harassed something like 100 times. In like 10 hours. Yeah. And a lot of that was men just saying, hi, hey, hey, baby, hey, how you doing? Stuff that <laughs> men who have never been harassed like that in their lives might consider it to be very innocuous. But when you see it happen over and over and over and over and over again, you realize, I think, if you have any kind of like empathy, that it becomes very wearing and very frustrating. It's a barrage of verbal dicks. Yes. Is what it is. Yes. Beautifully put, exactly. Now that video, like, despite how revealing it was, I guess, of, of what a huge problem street harassment is, it did get a lot of shit for supposedly having been edited. And I don't know the extent to which it was actually edited. I, I really don't know. Supposedly having been edited to show only or mostly uh, men of color doing the harassing. I definitely remember it was definitely a lot of black men in the video. So it got a lot of shit for that. Yeah, I kind of I kind of picked up on that when I was watching the video myself and I was like, this is is this all black guys right now? <laughs> Um, Let's just throw in a couple of Latino guys. Yeah, you know, for diversity's sake. Yeah, exactly. So we were talking about this, and I was thinking, um, I think because we were talking about it in conjunction with your experience on the streets of Hollywood and the streets of Facebook, uh, with Joe, who uh, tried to equate the frustration of being harassed with being rejected, saying that 
the same pain that you feel or the same level of discomfort that you feel uh, right. at being you know, harassed in the street is felt when a woman does not <laughs> respond kindly to your advances on the street. How dare that bitch yeah. not want to fuck you. He did make that fucking false equivalency. I'm glad that you pointed that out because I'd forgotten about that. It really made me think about the idea that we tend to use privilege to define ourselves. You know, we incorporate it into the way that we value ourselves and validate our existence. So the reason I think it may be, may have just been a natural sort of occurrence or a coincidence that there were more people of color in this harassment video could be that, uh, Maybe because of a lack of privilege that people of color have, they or, or we, I'm black, by the way, cling to what little privilege we have more, uh, more viciously. Um, mm. You know, whenever there's a chance to put that power on display, maybe it's something that uh, a lot of disadvantaged people feel the need to do more often. So men, basically men of color who who lack the same kind of privilege that white men feel. Right. They want to exercise some kind of power or control over women. Absolutely, yeah. I, w- I wonder too, and I really don't know the answer to this, but I, I wonder how much of that has to do with like the race of the woman, if that makes sense. Like if men of different like races are, are more likely to harass women of particular races? Does that make sense? Yes, that is a very interesting question. A complex question that I um, I know nothing about. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a, you know, just a speculation. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the woman in the video. If I could if I could tell if they ever said or if I could tell what race she was. And I, 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 I watched the video several times, but I can't remember. I remember her being white. I just remember her having curly hair. That's that's literally all I remember. If she was not white, she could definitely pass as white. Well, the one thing I do know is that uh, we as a society, and then if you want to call call it black culture, I guess. I don't like the term black culture, but I will use it right now and say um, we, we tend to value women less and less the darker their skin I definitely see a lot of, you know, a lot of posts on Facebook, a lot of tweets, just a lot of media, you know, it's almost, it's almost like a joke to just make fun of dark skinned women, you know, from saying that they're ugly, saying that they're scary or just like saying, if you're dark skinned, kill yourself or whatever. And it's, and it's also a trend to, uh, sort of kiss up to and seek out light-skinned black women. And, and they both have their stereotypes, you know, the, the light-skinned women are supposedly, you know, stuck up and they know they're pretty and, and mm-hmm. the dark-skinned ones are, like, violent and scary. And uh, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, I mean, I, speaking from, like, my, my very, like, limited perspective on this issue, I... I, I know that I've read some commentary in which that division is is brought up. Mm-hmm. And I remember when Halle Berry won the Oscar in, what was it, 2002, I think? I was in high school. Uh, I, remember so I was in won. pre-K. <laughs> were you, you were a fetus. 
Uh, <laughs> but um, there was um, I and I and I can't remember because again, this was so. This was like fifty years ago that I was in high school. You guys, this was so long ago. I can't remember where I was reading this article. Uh, but it was it was someone. It was a white man. I remember the writer was a white man, and he was very critical of Halle Berry even being told that she was a quote unquote black actress winning this Academy Award because she only had a smattering of african-american dna a, a what smattering a smattering just enough to make her look black <laughs> black enough to call herself black but her features apparently are very white and she's very caucasian in like her the way she presents herself uh. and that always stuck with me and i and i and again i don't know the name of the writer and i don't know where i read it because this was again a hundred years ago. And I think that when, who was it, Viola Davis was nominated for an Academy Award, there was this kind of like, oh my God, but she's like so dark. Like there was this kind of, and it was very, it was very, very like sort of subtle. Like nobody really said those words, but there was definitely this kind of like, oh, we have Viola Davis as a nominee versus versus Halle Berry as a nominee. And Well, first off, I just want to get one thing off my chest here. Um, for any white people uh, who may be listening or, or just non-black people. In I'm general, white, guys. Emma's white. In case for you, you Emma. Um, as black people, we do not seek to be, you know, seen as not black. That's not a compliment. When you say, oh, you're only a little black, whether it has anything to do with our DNA or our skin color or our behavior, it is not a compliment to tell a black person that, oh, you're not that black or you're not really black. That sort of thinking is a a huge part of the problem with our culture because even people who consider themselves not to be racist um, and have black friends still think of being black as a bad thing. They think that to say someone is black is an insult. And, and you, you reveal that about yourself, your racist self. When you tell me, oh, you listen to rock music, oh, you wear Converse shoes, uh, you know, you skateboard, you go to the opera, like, you're oh, no, not really... Is, no, my favorite one is... Oh, but he's he's so articulate. Yes, uh, being articulate, like all of those things, it's not a compliment to say. So many white people say that, <laughs> and it just makes me want to slam my head into a wall. I swear. Um, yeah, but it's not a compliment to say any of those things, or any of the many other reasons you might may use to say that I am not really black. Um, my response would be yes I am very articulate and you are a racist (laughs) (laughs) Joe (laughs) Joe (laughs) 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 I'm a 
unsophisticated equivocator A spitter saying shit this heinous Indiscriminately eviscerating my victims My sins will probably get me incinerated And since I live in hatred I'll probably get sent to Hades They listen to incriminations Like I don't send them to Satan There isn't no use in praying There isn't a way of saving him Man it's crazy the way they fixing their faces I guess I intimidate them I guess I'm some kind of alien For beast I'm wishing But nothing but grief I'm giving So no one will be forgiven Just cease and desist from living Uh, arrest the pester in Jesus All I can think is how peacefully I can sleep when the rest of you rest in pieces Unless you're ready for heaven I'm telling you not to wrestle The last one who offended Was lifted out of his vessel Ingested and then I just did I eat him and I excrete him I'm better left to my business I'm better left uncontested, bitch Feeling like I'm actually about to learn something Okay, so you want me to like say all that again? Yeah, as much of it as you can um, Yeah uh, what you were saying, though, Justin, about trying to, like, define away blackness or have a particular definition of what it is or, like, having being, like, they're not that black. Like, it makes me think of these viral videos that have become really popular within the last, you know, year or two years, maybe, like, um, of deaf people getting implants in their ears that allow them to hear for the first time. And... They're filmed when that happens, and these videos are posted online. A deaf person hears for the first time. It's magical and amazing. And they're supposed to be these these kind of inspirational videos um, that are supposed to like, you know, make you feel all happy and and everything for the for the for the deaf person who's no longer deaf. And you know, I have a lot of friends who repost those, and I and I see them everywhere. And deaf activists have a really big problem with with those videos because posting them in that manner implies to the general public that there is um something wrong with being deaf that it's that it's a problem that needs to be fixed that deaf people are somehow broken and i and i and i don't know if that's necessarily a, a fair comparison um or an accurate comparison because i know that most people even people who are who are racist would openly say that being black or being non-white is a disability. Definitely some people would say it. But I think historically historically in the West that has been the case that even if we don't use that word that's kind of been how racial minorities have been treated. Yeah, as, um, as subhuman. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's I know how how deaf activists see these videos you know, they sort of see it as like, okay, so this, you know, this supposed problem that we have is being fixed now. But what the problem itself is, has been defined as a problem by the non-deaf community. Right. And for deaf people, it's not a problem. Honestly, (laughs) this is just who they are and they function perfectly fine. Honestly, this is blowing my mind right now. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some of those videos and I'm sure that like I've shed a tear or two over them. Um, I, I would, I definitely think of deafness as like, there is something wrong. And I've never considered that like the biggest issue to deal with is probably living in a world full of people who can hear and arrange the world around people who can hear. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of all about how the majority defines, like, what it is to be normal. You know, quote-unquote normal. And I will say that I don't necessarily think this is something that I would have considered, except that one of my flatmates from when I lived in Bristol 
10 years ago, I lived in England. Um, I had several like lovely flatmates. One of them uh, was um, a girl named Elizabeth. I doubt she's listening, um, but if you are, hi, Elizabeth. Uh, her twin brother is deaf. And when we were at university in Bristol, she was um, doing a degree in, um, I, I believe it's called deaf studies. Um, mm-hmm. She was studying to be, um, you know, a, a translator. And I believe that she responded to these videos with a, a very intelligent, very well-worded post about how, you know, there's nothing wrong with being deaf. Defining deafness as a disability is something, you know, that's an act of like the hearing majority, essentially. Mm. I don't yeah. know if I even would have, if I would have even considered that if I had not, you know, been exposed to, to that particular perspective. Wow. Yeah, that, that's really, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of speechless right now because that's blowing my mind. Um, yeah. Because I think even if we don't say it, like even if we don't, we don't use those words and we're super PC about it. You know, I think that the sort of general consensus is that to not be white is to be, to have something wrong with you. Yeah. I guess. And and, and I, and I understand that like really well-meaning progressive, progressive people, whether they're white or whether they're people of color, what they're trying to do when they point out those things is they're trying to point out the lack of, of, of privilege and the sort of disadvantages that have been put in place over hundreds of years by privileged people. So when they're saying, you know, yeah, people of color are, are they, you know, they, they lack the same kind of privilege, they lack the same kind of advantages. I think that's what they're trying to point out. But I think this sort of like the sort of undercurrent of that commentary is that the, the, the less of a minority you are, the better off you are. Mm. Does that um, make sense? That that's somewhat makes sense. Um, I think, however, going off personal experience on being on the receiving uh, end of some of those comments, it seems to me to be more of a personal internalization of the ideals of white supremacy, whether conscious or unconscious. Because people will say, you know, like you aren't really black. You're the whitest black person I know. <laughs> and Has like that to you? Oh, so many times. Really? Yes. And and the uh the implication what, what, what is the impetus for that? Like what are they referring to exactly about you? Uh well for me it's always been a reference to my tastes. Like uh, I mentioned earlier like where I used to wear Converse shoes. So like that was a thing like you're not black, you wear Converse. Like, you're not black, you listen to pop punk. You know, like, you're not black, you're good at math and writing and stuff. But but it seems to me that the implication for a lot of people was, you know, you're not really black because you behave a certain way, and that's why we're friends. Hmm. Do black people say that to you, or is it mainly mainly white people who make those those differentiations? It's mainly white people. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm sure I must have heard a white person, I mean, a black person say it, you know, a couple of times in in some ways, in some form. Uh, because I'm not I'm not gonna say that black people aren't immune to internalizing white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, I really can't, it hasn't happened enough times for it to be something that I remember as like 
just a thing that happens all the time. I mean, it still happens every now and then to this day. Like, <laughs> um, and it's that's really that's really insulting um, because the fact that I'm black is a part of my identity. So you can't just you can't compliment something about me while also disparaging another thing about me, um, especially using such a an illogical basis for what blackness is. Mm-hmm. It's just my skin color. Well, and it actually makes me think of, and I and I don't remember where I heard this or who said it, but I know that I heard a few people, and they might have been comedians, who described Bill Clinton as the first black president. I've heard that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I, I and I can't remember. Like, was it because he was just like cool, or like what was the the whole thing behind that? Or I, I, I really I can't remember. But I remember thinking, "Fuck!" Like, why are you saying that? That's really insulting. It's insulting to black people, not to Bill Clinton. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know why people would say that. Maybe it has something to do um, with him being embraced by the black community or something. I have, I have no idea. You know, I was uh, I was nine years old when Bill, no, ten years old when Bill Clinton left office. So. I was forty five. <laughs> 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 you were nine years old when Bill Clinton became president because he became president in 1992. I said when he left office. When he left office. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I was, uh, when he left office, I was 15. So, you know, I mean, I was still like, I hadn't even hit puberty yet. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and there have been like these, 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 these similarly strange comments about Barack Obama. I mean, obviously a lot of comments about like him being black. I, you know, that's, that's, that's obvious, but like he has even participated in some of those talking about how something about the fact that he plays basketball Mm -hmm. and like he can dance. Well, you know, and that makes him black or something. Yeah. And there is a, I think there's definitely um, on the other side of, of that issue, there's definitely a, uh, a set of behaviors that people use to define um, people as black or not black, um, and those include dancing and singing and, you know, being good at playing the bass <laughs> or rapping. <laughs> um and, and not being able to swim. And playing basketball. Yeah, like all these stereotypes, but... um. I think that the the way that we as a society sort of view black people is dangerous, um, just dangerous brutes who, you know, as long as we're not selling drugs or like killing each other, then we're entertaining white America mm. um, through song and dance <laughs> and, and sports. It's like, it's fucking a minstrelry, man. Like, it's essentially what it still is. And when I lived in Mississippi, I've told you this, Justin, like, I grew up in Northwest Arkansas, but I, but it was a, it's a very white city. And I, and I lived around a lot of white people, a very progressive, very, very open-minded um, parents who, you know, who taught me about my privilege and who 
absolutely raised me to be aware of racism wherever I saw it. But I never saw racism until I moved to Mississippi, which was when I was 21. Mm. And I had never heard anyone use the N-word until I moved there. And then it was all over the fucking place. Like, white people throwing around that word like it was no big deal. And it was really eye-opening for me and, and, and difficult to kind of process. Because I think the only place that I had heard it was in American History X. Like, I... I, I, I literally think that was the only place I had ever heard that word. Yeah. I watched Chappelle's show when I was a kid. Like that was, you know, um, that was a little, a little, a little bit more censored of course, but um, um, you know, yeah. to, to kind of see that and to see how white people, how white people differentiate between like different types of black people, yeah. you know, like the good ones and the bad ones. The good, there's, you know, there's yeah. black people and then there's niggers. Exactly. Like, I mean, I've I've had my friends tell me about their parents, like teaching you teaching them this, like overtly. You know, not even making the implication like those are the bad ones or those mm-hmm. are the like like literally having a black people slash nigger talk. Well, and that's how I how I learned it from white people that I met in Mississippi. Like, and the the, the quote unquote good ones were the ones who this is this is this is true. They worked for white people. They were in their employ, <laughs> and they did. They worked like as 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 um, as handymen and um, carpenters and whatever kind of like little bullshit work needed to be done, and they. Um, they did it with no complaints. Yeah. Um, that was, and that way, and again, you, like you're saying, there was a very, very, like, openly defined difference. There was no shame in making that definition. There was no hesitation. Yeah. And, you know, the, I think where that comes from is just like. Oh, and they didn't steal. That was another thing. <laughs> it comes from, you know, a place of wanting to feel power um and part of that is through you know the submission of others so you know if you're a black person and you're not performing your duties you know serving the white man then how dare you how yeah exactly how dare you like you're wrong and that's when you're a nigger but you're still a nigger either way but you know well, and even with the question Especially. of like, like performativity, like I knew people in Mississippi, white people who really liked Prince mm-hmm. and Michael Jackson and um, that might be it, actually. Alicia Keys, you know, mm. but if you were like if you were like a rapper, you were like they just saw you as like garbage and, and didn't <laughs> respect like what you did at all. Even white people who were, like, supposedly trying to imitate, like, Ooh. these particular types of bad black people, like Eminem, uh-huh. white people basically saw him as a, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was trying to imitate that, you know, quote-unquote culture. Yeah. Um, and this was just, I, I swear, this was the most eye-opening thing for me, to, like, see that this actually existed in the world. And... Um, yeah, and um, that's that's a thing that um, 
that black people have to think about all the time because we're surrounded by white people who basically judge us by how black we are and have no idea what being black really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I sort of implied earlier that um, I sort of implied earlier that the concept of blackness is absolutely devoid of meaning other than um, insofar as it refers to skin color. However, I do want to say and clarify that I think there are some things um, because of the nature of, you know, just the Western world as a whole, but especially the United States and uh, our culture here, there are some things that do um, come into mind when I think of blackness that I would not say are negative ways of thinking about blackness. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that every black person in the United States of America, whether you, you know, came here from Africa, you know, like yesterday, or your family has been in the United States from, you know, since before the United States was the United States, um, we all have in common the fact that society views us the same way. And, you know, for people who have had their families here for a long time, we all have in common um, the history of slavery and Jim Crow um, and the conditions that basically have led to, you know, where we are today Um, and the conditions that produced several aspects of culture, such as, you know, Uh, whatever uh, movements in literature or music, dance, religion, all of these different things. um, Those are things that I think we can talk about as black or talk about their blackness without being racist because we are ironically really discussing things that came out of racism. And, th- and that's, that's the most, that's one of the most confusing and frustrating aspects of, um, of race for me uh, is the fact that, first of all, I want to be defined by who I am and what I do. I want to be an individual. I don't want to walk around having my blackness being like a major part of my identity. However, um, and, and I think you'll hear lots of people of, of many races saying, you know, let's just stop looking at race. Let's stop acknowledging race, Ugh, I that. which <laughs> that I would love to do that. That would be a wonderful thing to do, except for the fact that for so many years, for centuries, we have used race, the concept of race, as a fundamental uh, aspect of how we arrange our society. So mm-hmm. we cannot, you know, just say from this moment on, um, we're going to ignore race. 
It's a conversation that we should never have had, but because we've been having the conversation for so long, we have to finish the conversation. Yeah, people who say that are really white people who just don't want to address the racial inequalities that like we've created. Yeah. That's that's who's saying that. Yeah. So, you know, as a black person, as much as I'd like to, you know, not have to be defined as black person, like it's been happening all my life. So, <laughs> so I have to I have to engage in that conversation even though it's it's really uh it's, an essentially useless conversation to begin with. Now it's only useful in ending. Yeah. And I mean, I think that I feel the same way a little bit about like being a woman in that, like I, I define myself as a postmodern feminist. Um, basically I, I believe that gender, these kind of gender definitions shouldn't exist the way that they exist now, because we know from science that there are not just two genders. There are many genders. The gender spectrum is enormous. So when we say women's rights, what exactly are we talking about? Um, The definition has to be expanded, but we can't step away the way that I would love to step away from those definitions because we have created tremendous inequality based on who has a vagina and who doesn't have a vagina. Right. You know, like that's how we've essentially, we've created those definitions and then we've fucked everything up right. based on those definitions. So someday, hopefully we'll get to the point where, you know, we acknowledge that these are, these, these are mostly social constructs. Yeah. But, um, because we have made these social constructs and, um, legislated, uh, fucking laws around them that take rights away from, from some people. Yeah. We have to address that. You know, we can't say there's no such thing as a woman because if we say there's no such thing as a woman, you know, we'll, w- women will never have people who identify as women will never have equal rights. Yeah. And, and um, another thing um, is the fact that even beyond legislation, we've gone through centuries of like basing our ideas and our beliefs upon these constructs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even when the laws have changed a hundred years from now, you know, people still, a lot of people still have these ideas about what a woman is and what a woman should do and should not do. And what, um, what a black person is and, does and that's something that it takes a long time to undo. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it was interesting that you said, you know, people who identify as women, you know, will be at a disadvantage because, especially to the people who, you know, consciously hold on to, you know, sexist beliefs or racist beliefs, they don't care how you define yourself. Right. Because they define you before you have a chance to even join the conversation. And and that's, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, and I was reading a story, a story um, the other day online about how um, a a couple adopted a child who was born um, a hermaphrodite and um, was given up for adoption at birth. Mm -hmm. And the doctors went ahead and removed the baby's um, male sex organs. 
um, basically the state defined how this person was going to identify um, or attempted to do so for the rest of her life because the state was defining this baby as a her. And of course, you know, the baby was adopted and is now, I'm wanting to say around 10 years old. I might be wrong. Um, and wants to identify as, as a, as, as a man, as a male, but was created physically created by the state to be a woman. And so the, 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 the child's parents are now suing the state for making this gender definition without anyone's input at all. Um, and really kind of hamstringing this kid into being defined as a girl when he wants to be defined as a boy. So, yeah, you're right. These are definitions that, that the individual still has no right. You know, we consider ourselves this, this, this sort of open society with this great emphasis on the individual. But these definitions are not our definitions. They are absolutely created outside of us before we have any right to have any input. Yeah. I, that's, that's fucking crazy. Like... How do you come across, how do you decide to just like cut off her dick because she's a woman? Like, I have no idea how that decision was made. No idea. Let's have more women so that we can have more people who will maybe have more babies one day. I don't know. Like, I don't know how that fucking decision. I mean, even even from the mindset of a doctor or state official or whomever looking and saying, oh, this is abnormal or bad or, or some sort of malady, you know, like that's so the, the logical conclusion would be, well, either we've got to see what the parents are going to do, which I think would still be a violation of the, the person's, you know, right to be able to figure that out for themselves. But I would think the logical conclusion would be, hey, well, that's something that this person is going to have to deal with uh, on their own at some point, and they're going to be fucking normal as hell, because it's like, you you are who you are, like, in the group, right? Yeah. 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 Like, why are we saying that there's anything wrong with you that needs to be fixed? Right. You know, like, who gives a fuck? You know, a lot of people who are born like quote unquote normal, you know, born a man or born a woman, like born cis, basically, yeah. they have the same kind of, of, of struggles that this kid is dealing with, defining who they are as far as like their gender and their sexuality yeah. goes. You know, like regardless of like what genitals you're born with or, or what hormones you're born producing, like, you know, why are we telling you that there's something wrong with you? I mean, you know, to, and, and to kind of like to kind of graft that onto the conversation about about race, you know, like the state, I think at this point and by the state, I mean, like the state with like capital letters, like, you know, yeah. I don't think that when a biracial child is born, the state is still stepping in and saying, well, you have to be white or you have to be black. Right. You know, I mean, 
maybe there's social pressure to identify as one or the other. I don't know. I'm not, um, I'm not biracial, <laughs> but so Justin, uh, sadly, I think that we are out of time for our first episode. So, uh, fuck. shall we, I know fuck, right. This has been super fun. Um, I don't think we said fuck enough in this episode. We definitely didn't say fuck. And we definitely didn't talk about masturbation enough, but, uh. That's what future episodes are for, right? Absolutely. So, listeners, if you have enjoyed this, please give us some feedback and let us know. Um, if there's anything that you would like to hear us talk about, please throw some ideas our way. Average Joe, if you're listening, go fuck yourself. Joe. You fucking piece of shit. Joe. You and Bill. Hate you. So... This has been uh, The Unlucky Genius. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and we'll see you next time. I'm MSPs. And I'm Justin Gudger. Bye. Bye.